Did I volunteer for that? Didn't you? <laughs> you did. I didn't think I said anything. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Thank you. Let us pray. I also thought I had mine on mute. Yeah, but I have control over that. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I read this text and sometimes I think that the shepherd metaphor doesn't come out necessarily just of an agrarian first century sort of setting. I don't necessarily think that they picked that metaphor just because it's there and familiar. I think it's really a terrifically apt metaphor, don't you? In a way that it might not be necessarily for other groups of animals because humans are really, really sheep-like a lot of the time. We have a kind of marked tendency to wander off, to follow paths that seem good for us as individuals, but which make us eventually graze our way out of community. Unaware of what we're doing, as long as our own bellies are full, until we find ourselves in a precarious, wilderness sort of situation. There are moments when I feel really bad for God having to shepherd us all. It can't be easy. And yet that is the image that we get of our God, willingly choosing to be our shepherd over and over again throughout the generations. We hear the image repeated in the Psalms, in the Gospels, even in the reminder that Jesus was of the lineage of the shepherd who became King David. It is the image that reminds us that our God is the one not only who leads us, but the one who keeps us safe, who keeps watch over us, who stays in relationship with us and seeks us out when we wander. And we hear it today in the midst of this most known, probably most memorized psalm of them all. Our God is the one who leads us to green pastures and still waters, to all that is necessary for life, such that we lack nothing. So what does that mean from where we currently stand in the wilderness? It's all well and good to talk about green pastures and still waters when we're there. 
But what happens when we're not? Have we left the shepherd behind that we've gotten ourselves so far into the weeds? I mean, we wouldn't be out in the wilderness if we just listened to our shepherd, right? Anxious minds want to know if at times like this, we aren't really suffering some sort of consequence for our unwillingness to follow if we wouldn't be sitting in a beautiful meadow beside a tranquil lake, if we'd just been a little bit better. Maybe all of this is just some kind of horrible punishment for our sin. Because anxiety tells us that if we were right with God, we wouldn't be out in the wilderness at all. Because this does not look like the places that the Good Shepherd leads us to. Not where we are right now. But anxiety is a liar. And I think that this particular anxiety has been lying to us for as long as we've been trying to follow our God, which might be why this psalm was written in the first place. Because I do not think that the psalmist was writing because they had spent their entire life in the perfection that these words evoke. I do not think that the psalmist is trying to give us the blueprint, the roadmap of how to live a perfect and easy life. I do not think that the psalmist is simply writing a lovely song about how easy they have had it because they were a good little sheep. I don't think this, no matter what our anxiety might tell us. Because although this psalm starts out as a lovely little song of praise in the third person, the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me lie down, he leads me, he restores, even though all of this good that we long for by following the shepherd is sung as praise, the wilderness creeps in, even into the psalm. The wilderness creeps in to disrupt everything, even for the psalmist. And when the wilderness arrives, even for this one who lacks nothing, God arrives too. Did you notice that? In this so familiar psalm, do we notice that shift when it comes? We get to the wilderness, the darkest valley, or in the really evocative and beautiful version that the King James provides to us, the valley of the shadow of death. It's probably the only time I choose the King James version over any other. I love that line. And suddenly we're not talking about the shepherd. We're talking to the shepherd directly. Because we get to the wilderness, and God shows up right there face-to-face, engaging us in conversation, holding us in relationship. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like punishment to me. No matter what our anxiety might tell us in moments like this. Sometimes we wander off into the wilderness, we humans. Sometimes we get separated from one another and from God. And sometimes the wilderness comes to us in the very real experiences of loss and fear and grief, in illness and in accident, all of the things that mark our existence as mortals. 
Sometimes we find ourselves walking through the valley, seemingly surrounded by shadow and death, wondering if we can ever emerge, wondering if we have maybe been left entirely to ourselves this time, wondering if the God whom we kind of knew was leading us the whole time in a theoretical, conscious sort of headspace way, maybe that God left us in the wilderness. Our fears will tell us that. Our fears will tell us that the wilderness is a sign of our sin and of our brokenness and of our having turned our backs on our God. Did I mention anxiety lies a lot? If we can look past the lies that those fears tell us, The truth of this ancient song is that we are likely to find ourselves face to face with the one who will never abandon us, especially when we are out in the wilderness. Sometimes we wander off into the wild, and sometimes it comes to us, but no matter how wild things do get, the God who nourishes and sustains and provides for us and restores us, that God, our God, abides, even in the presence of death itself. We find that God is with us, not just leading us to the places of abundance, but placing all that we need before us, overflowing with the grace that does not punish a wandering lamb, but rejoices over and over at finding that lamb again. No matter how wild things get, God is with us, loving us, nurturing us, calling us to relationship and restoration. No matter how wild things get, God is with us, not just in a way that our heads know, but in a way that our hearts feel. God is with us right before our very eyes, speaking directly to us and asking for that conversation with us, even now, even in the wilderness, now and forever. Thanks be to God. Amen.